This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
listen to what some people think about heaven. They think that heaven will be this never-ending eternal church service. And, and they imagine everybody in choir robes and on these risers singing in this huge heavenly choir and there's this mammoth pipe organ. And it's actually kind of cool to sing in this choir for a few years because everybody's singing on tune. Uh, but then for those of us that are ADHD, you know, after a hundred years or so, we're like, wow, you know what? I got Ang Ansi singing four songs in church. And yeah, this is fun, but we're now on song 875,481. And I'm not sure I want to do this forever, but that's their view of heaven. Others view heaven as a place where we just, and I know some of you would really get on board here, but, but you think, you know, we're going to get to sleep in late every day and get up around noon and go to the Holy Grounds coffee shop and get our heavenly latte with French vanilla creamer. And then we'll just kind of stroll the streets of gold like we stroll the streets of the Branson Landing. Others of you have it as a place where you can reserve a cloud for a day and go on a float trip. You know, kind of like you would go on a float trip in Arkansas. Now, I, I, I know for some of you that stuff really appeals to you, and I'm happy for you. But honestly, <laughs> none of it appeals to me except for maybe the Holy Grounds coffee shop experience. Um, I think heaven's going to be so much better than just singing in a choir <laughs> or floating on a cloud or sleeping in till noon every day. Yuck. All of that to say that we're really messed up when it comes to our view of heaven. And I think part of the reason that we're so messed up is because we don't read our Bibles. And so we base our opinion, our belief on heaven uh, you know, on corny jokes like I just told you. Or, or, or people base their view of heaven on, on a George Burns or Morgan Freeman movie on heaven. And, and, and I probably shouldn't have to say this, but, but I do not recommend Hollywood as your source for correct information on the afterlife. Okay, just saying. You know, when you're looking at eternity, that's a long time. Um you probably need a source that is more reliable than Hollywood. And thankfully, we do have a reliable source. And we're going to go to that source today, which is God's Word. Now, let me try to lay a bit of a foundation. And, and actually, before, before we do that, let, let me just kind of walk you through the process that I normally go through preparing for my message on Sunday. And I realize a lot of you think, hey, you just get up there and shoot from the hip. And, and uh, I, I know it appears that way. But Sunday afternoon, this afternoon, after getting a bite to eat, resting a bit, I generally will head back to the church and arrive here 3 to 3.30. My goal is to try to map out the direction I should head the following Sunday. Uh, and I don't get it all fleshed out, obviously. But if I can get the general direction, then I can be praying and researching and meditating throughout the week. I don't like to come down to the end of the week and have to, to cram and, and panic and, and, and stress. But anyway, last uh, Sunday afternoon, I, I was just, you know, trying to figure out what approach to use as I talked about heaven. And, and I began thinking, okay, what is one experience that our family has had that, that I could say was just heavenly? And, 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 and I could say, you know what, it just doesn't get any better than that. And, and I wish it would never end. I wish that experience could have lasted forever. And when I asked myself that question, I immediately thought of an experience that we enjoyed together as a family several years ago. When our girls were still in high school, we hooked up our pop-up camper and headed west to Yosemite National Park. We drove through the day, through the night, arrived 24 hours or so later. 
We found a fairly secluded wilderness camping site and enjoyed several amazing and heavenly days where we saw waterfalls and, and, and wildlife and some of those beautiful scenery in the world. And, and then right near the end of our stay, my oldest daughter Erica and I, we left the camper early one morning about four o'clock and we headed to the base of Half Dome. And as a father-daughter team, we made our way up that majestic mountain and together got to celebrate the summit of Half Dome. Now, besides a close encounter with a bear that made Erica a little jumpy, because um, that bear kept uh, making eerie noises and seemed to want to stay close to us as we were making our way up that mountain. But besides that, our, our stay in Yosemite was, can I just say heavenly? And the next day, when, when, when our family left Yosemite National Park, my thought was, I wish this could have lasted forever. And, and incidentally, in contrast to that experience on the way back to Missouri, we stopped in Las Vegas. Now, we had never been to Vegas before, and I thought the Trussells needed to experience Vegas. And so we made a family pact that what went on in Vegas would stay in Vegas. Uh, just kidding, but we were so turned off by Vegas. And, and I know some of you probably love that place, but we had scheduled three days there. But after we had just left the beauty of Yosemite National Park and had found ourselves and found ourselves in Sin City, we couldn't get out of there fast enough. We spent one night and that was way too much. And we left the very next day. But, but we look back at our stay at Yosemite National Park as something that we wished would have never ended. Now, the truth of the matter is that not only will heaven be so much better than Yosemite National Park, but heaven will be infinitely and indescribably better than anything we could ever imagine in our wildest dreams. Second uh, Corinthians, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says it so well. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And last week, as I was studying and praying and meditating, the, the truth of that scripture began to settle in on me because as hard as I tried and as I, as I read and I prayed and I studied about heaven and, and I studied the dimensions of heaven and the construction of heaven and the precious metals of the new Jerusalem and, and I read about the end of sorrow and suffering and I read about the new and improved relationship we will have with God and, and even after hours and hours of of trying to find a way to put this into words, there was a high degree of frustration simply because my mind couldn't wrap itself around that. And so just opening my heart to you today, I, I believe, I, I feel my message today will be a massive failure because I don't have it in me. I don't have the vocabulary. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the capacity to truly understand and communicate to you what heaven will be like. But with God's help, I'm going to give it my best shot. As we begin, let me, uh, let me just alert you to the fact that the concept of heaven is under fierce attack in our society. And to set this up, I want to remind you of a very important history lesson. Isaiah chapter 14 tells about Lucifer, who now is known as the prince of darkness or Satan or the father of lies or the devil. But at one time, Lucifer was actually one of God's highest and most influential angels, but he wanted to be like God. And so he mustered up a support, uh, uh, up the support of a third of God's angels to try to overthrow God. And, and what took place was a big cosmic conflict. And, and we don't have a lot of details in that. But in that cosmic conflict, what took place was that God ended up casting Satan and those rebellious angels out of heaven. 
Well, since that time, Satan has had revenge on his mind. And if you remember last week, part of Satan's revenge is to try to convince us that hell is not as bad as we think. And, and by the same token, part of Satan's revenge is to attack the concept of heaven. And I want to give you two lies that I believe Satan wants us to believe about heaven. The first one is, I believe Satan wants us to believe that heaven can wait. In other words, he's trying to get us so wrapped up in the things of, uh, of this world to where we begin to love the world and the things of the world. And, and when that happens, our hearts begin to drift more towards the things of earth rather than the things of heaven. So the first lie that Satan tells us is heaven can wait. Now, the second lie that Satan tells us is that most people are going to heaven. And I know we've hit on this quite a bit the last couple of weeks, but, but most people today in our community and in our country believe that heaven is our default destination. In other words, they think that everyone that dies automatically goes to heaven, except maybe some really, really extreme situations where, where somebody is just a bad, bad person, but that doesn't happen too often. That's kind of our mentality. But please realize that, that our default destination is not heaven. Rather, our default destination is hell. You know, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. And, and we were all sinners. And, and unless we accept God's free gift of salvation and turn from our sins, then it doesn't matter how good we were or how many times we were baptized or how often we went to church, we will not go to heaven. Salvation is by grace through faith. Not of our own works. You know, I, uh, I read an interesting statistic the other day, and, and, and I'm really careful because I think probably uh, about 80% of statistics are formed on the spot, if you know what I mean. You know, we kind of make them up as we go along. And, and so I'm, I'm really careful about uh, just quoting something, and I, I could not find the original source of this. But supposedly a study was conducted, and they found that for every 120 p- people that believe they're going to heaven... Only one person believes they're going to hell. 120 to heaven, one to hell. So what does this tell us? Well, society's getting better, more godly? No. It tells us that society is becoming more deceived. I mean, look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. So according to Scripture, there will be many, many more people that will go to hell than heaven. And so heaven is not our default destination. Okay, for the rest of our time together, I want to I take a peek into heaven. It's just going to be a little tiny peek. And the book that probably gives us the best look into heaven is the book of Revelation. And, and John, often referred to as John the Revelator, had been exiled to the island of Patmos. And while there he had a vision from God of heaven. And here is part of that vision. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was gone. Also gone. Now let me just stop and say that. When, when, when it said there was no sea the sea represented turmoil. It represented storms and chaos. And so he was saying those hard times would be over. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. Verse 3. 
I heard a loud shout from the throne. Push the pause button here. A loud shout. Some translations say a loud voice. Now, this is a, a, a phrase that I, I recognized as appearing frequently in the book of Revelation. In fact, and, and so this week I actually went back and I counted, personally counted the phrase, you know, loud shout, loud voice. And in and, and the NIV, that phrase appears 18 times in the book of Revelation. And, and most every time this loud shout or this loud voice preceded a very important announcement that was about to be made. And so here in, in verse 3 is the 18th and final time that we, that we hear the loud shout, read about the loud shout or the loud voice, and then a very big announcement is about to be made. Um, and, and in fact, as I studied this announcement and began to understand how wonderful and how big this announcement was in my office... I had chills going up and down my spine. I don't know how many times throughout the week. As, as it began to just kind of settle in on my heart, how big this announcement was. Let's look at it. I heard a loud shout saying, Look, the home of God is now among His people. He will live with them. And they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. Remember, loud voice, loud shout. He will remove all their sorrows. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For the old world and its evils are gone forever. Would you say amen? What an amazing announcement. And I can hardly wait to get to this point. But let's go one point at a time. We're going to look at three. Can I just call them heavenly observations from these four verses? Number one, God will establish a new heaven New heaven and a new earth. Now, I wish I could give you complete details of this new heaven and new earth. I can't. But this very same God who offers you new life in Christ, this very same God who says he will never leave you nor forsake you, this same God who gives you a new resurrected and glorified body, this same God says that following the return of Jesus, following the 1,000-year millennial reign, he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, the Old Testament even talks about it in Isaiah 65, 17. Look, I'm creating new heavens, a new heavens and a new earth so wonderful that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. And then listen to this scripture in the New Testament, 2 Peter three thirteen. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised. So, even though I'm not smart enough to fill in all of the detail, details, there will be the creation of a new heavens and a new earth. And, and so even though I don't understand everything, let me tell you what I do understand. Everything in this world is currently under the curse of sin. Our bodies suffer from the curse of sin. That's, that's why we get sick so much. You know, our minds suffer from the curse of sin. That's why some of us aren't very smart. Uh... The plant world is under the curse of sin. That's why all of a sudden they turn brown and die. And the animal kingdom suffers from the curse of sin. That's why you know, they're so skittish and, and wary of, of humans. And they can act like brats at times. Did you know that the weather is even under the curse of sin? 
That's why you have tornadoes, droughts, floods. The, the curse of sin has affected the world in every possible way. But when the curse of sin is removed, and it will be removed someday, then you will be looking at a world where there is true harmony and peace and security and intimacy and fellowship. And this is where this scripture becomes a reality. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? The leopard and the goat will be at peace. Calves and yearlings will be safe among lions. And the little child will lead them all. The cattle will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together. And lions will eat grass as the livestock do. And listen to this. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes and pull it out unharmed. So the new heavens and the new earth will see the curse of sin removed and it will be a place of peace and rest. There's one more aspect before we move on and and, and I really don't want to take a lot of time here because frankly this is secondary. This is not the focus or the best part of heaven. Um, but there's some pretty cool word pictures that the Bible talks about. And, and, and I asked this question in our prayer group at 8 o'clock this morning. I said, when you think of heaven, what do you think of? Well, immediately. I don't know what would come to your mind, but immediately someone said, streets of gold. Well, um, to me, that's not the best part of heaven. But the Bible does talk about streets of transparent gold talks about jewels, talks about rare and expensive precious metals. It talks about gates of pearl, beauty we can't come close to comprehending. The new Jerusalem <clears throat> will be so far beyond our wildest dreams. And we could really spend a lot of time here, but let's go on. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. The second observation from our scripture, and this is so wonderful, God will do away with all death, sorrow and pain and let's read it again because this is so awesome and in, in revelation 21 4 says he will remove all of their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the old world and its evils are gone forever okay so what does this mean and and again we could spend a couple hours just on this alone um this week I was thinking, Lord, how can I make this point come alive to us? You know, how can I help us understand a world without death, sorrow, and pain? Because those things are so ingrained within us. So what can I say to help us get a glimpse of a world without death, sorrow, and pain? And let me try. Um, I want to take a hillbilly approach, Chance, if it's okay. And, and let me just say it this way, okay? Heaven means the following. Heaven means no more aggravation. Heaven means no more agitation. Heaven means no more AIDS, no more addictions, and even no more athlete's foot. Heaven also means no more backaches, bitterness, broken bones, broken homes. 
Bad business meetings. Hallelujah. Heaven means no more baldness. And all of the men said, Heaven also means no more bunions. I told you it was a hillbilly approach. This means no more cancer, cemeteries, crime, complaining, car wrecks, crutches, and chiggers. <laughs> this means no more death, divorce, deceit, disappointments, and even dandruff. You see what we're doing? We're going through the alphabet. This could take a while. This means no more funerals, fighting, fussing, feuding, fault finding, and false teeth. No more garbage, goodbyes, guilt, and gout. No more heart attacks, hospitals, high blood pressure, and hearing aids. No more immorality, incest, insects, insurance, and idiots. No more sickness, sorrows, sinus infections, selfishness, stealing, and sweat. No more toothaches, trials, ticks, and toupees. Furthermore, some of you are worried sick about your job and your finances and the economy. No more. For those of you who have been burned by someone and you find it difficult to trust people, no more sin in relationships. No more babies dying around the world because they lack nourishment. No more genocide. And then any tear that you shed for whatever reason, and, and this is so wonderful, but the Bible says in verse 4 that we read that God Himself will come and comfort you and, and will personally wipe away every tear. You know, can you imagine God, the God of the universe, the Lord of all, the, the Creator coming to you personally and wiping those tears from your eyes. Again, we could continue on for a long time here. God will do away with all death, sorrow, and pain. But I want to make sure we get to the third point. Because this is the best of all. This is the one that brought chills for me. Heaven's not really about the gold. It's not about the gates of pearl. It's not about the beauty of the precious metals. It's not about experiencing the life of ease, sleeping until noon. But the best part of heaven is that, number three, God himself will dwell with us. Now, as we look at this point, please understand that this is going to be a drastic change from the way it currently is. Because on earth today, God dwells with us, but in a limited way. You know, we, we have access to God, but... But we can't experience God in His complete glory. And let me explain it this way. You know, when you look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, it said that no one could look upon God and live. And so, therefore, when Moses said, God, I, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. I love you so much. And, and God said, Moses, you couldn't handle it. You'd die. But God said, you know what, l l let me tell you, Moses, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pass by you, and I'm going to give you a glimpse of myself. And, and this is through what theologians call anthropomorphism. And, and you don't need to remember that big word, but basically, 
you know, it's giving human attributes to God because God is spirit. And, and so we have trouble understanding God. And about the only way we can understand a little bit of God is through, is by putting some human attributes to him. And so, um, God said, Moses, I'm going to give you a glimpse of me, but here's what you need to do. He said, you need to, you need to go bury your face in the side of the mountain. And then I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to pass by you. And then as I get by you, I'm going to just lift my hand a little bit. And I'm going to let you see just a little tiny bit of my glory. Because any more than that, you couldn't handle it. And those of you that know Scripture, you know what happened. When, when Moses saw just a tiny bit of God's glory, it, it put such a glow on Moses' face. And so when he came down the mountain to the rest of the Israelites that were waiting there at the base of the mountain, there was such a glow on his face and the Israelites looked at him and they said, Moses, we can't take it. You're going to have to put a veil on your face. We, we, we can't take it. There, there's so much of the glory of God there and it hurts our eyes. Put a, put a veil until it fades away. And so this helps us understand that up to now, we've not been able to experience God's full glory. But here in the book of Revelation, you know, there was that 18th and, and final loud voice, loud shout. And the big announcement indicating that now our glorified bodies would be new and improved and be able to handle seeing God's glory. And we would be able to handle having God live among us. And not just that, but exactly one chapter later, Revelation 22, verse 3, says, No longer will anything be cursed. We talked about that. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him. And then here it is, and they will see His face. So now with our glorified bodies, we can see His face. And not only would God's home be among His people, but now we would be able to look upon His face and see Him and see all of His glory. And please understand, that's what heaven is about. Again, it's not singing in the heavenly choir. It's not about floating on a cloud. It's, it's not about walking the streets of gold. It's not about, you know, the mansion over the hilltop. It, it's not even eating that wonderful heavenly food at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those are bonuses. Those are fringe benefits. They'll be wonderful. But heaven is about God making His home among us and being able to see His glory, being able to see His face. And so no wonder that big and important announcement that was preceded with a loud shout. Because God would now dwell among us. And we would see Him face to face. And I believe that in that moment when you see His face, and you see His goodness and His glory, and you see His mercy and His grace, that at that moment all of His character and all of His attributes that we haven't been able to fully comprehend will now become real to us. And, and I have a feeling that we will look upon Him and say, Oh God, You are my rock. You're my salvation. God, You're my Redeemer. You're my righteousness. You're my comforter. You're my sanctifier. You're everything I've ever desired. And and you're my Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And you're my Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner. You're my Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You're my Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. You, O oh God, are everything I've ever wanted and needed. 
And I wonder if at that moment our worship won't be more pure than ever before. We'll worship in a year 10,000. I wonder if the words of amazing grace will take on new meaning. You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. What a great and glorious day is coming for those who place their trust in Jesus and they've repented and turned from their sins and been faithful. But again, don't forget that heaven's under attack. And your spiritual enemy wants you to think that heaven can wait. You know, live for today. Live for things. Let it all be about you. Yeah, heaven one day, but not now. Just have a good time here on earth. Satan says heaven can wait. And then don't forget that Satan is wanting you to believe that, yeah, everybody's going to heaven. Yeah. You know, that's the default destination. And, and that way you can just kind of casually float through life, completely deceived, because you're a pretty good person. You know, we're all pretty good. For those of you this morning that may be without Christ, or without insulting you, could I just say for those of you that maybe are pretending May the Holy Spirit of God burn an eternal message in you and may you understand the horrors of hell and may you draw close to Him. For those of you who are in Christ, may you store up treasures in heaven and live for the day that you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of the new Jerusalem. Just as last week we said that hell is real, and it is, but I also want to let you know heaven is real. I wouldn't want to miss it. I don't want any of you to miss it. And if there's someone here this morning that, if you were asked, are you ready to meet Jesus, and you say, I hope so, man, that's as bad as depending on Hollywood for your source on the afterlife. We can have a no-so salvation, as the old-timers used to say. And I pray that today, today would be the day that all of us would be true blue. I know the odds are against this, but not one person from this church has to go to hell. Can we just put our trust in Him today? Can we make sure that there is no unconfessed sin in our lives? Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for your word. And even though, even though we don't have a lot of details, yet, Lord, just the detail there in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, that's enough. Just knowing that we will experience God in His fullness, in His glory. He will live among us. That's heaven. Father, I pray that there would be that anticipation as never before. Lord, I pray that not one person would miss it. And I know the odds are very high that there will be some people from this church that will not be ready. But I pray, God, that right now you would just put this holy fear within us 
Not in a negative sense, but in a positive sense to where it's a fear that would draw us to you. Oh God, I pray that if there's anybody here that's not ready, that they would confess their sins and turn to you and not just check the box and make a decision, but that they would go on a journey of following Jesus Christ with every fiber within them. And Lord, for those of us that are ready, don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us live for the things of this earth. Lord, let us store treasures on the other side. God, I pray that we would live in light of eternity. Father, I ask us in your name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God's kind of doing something within me and I'm not sure. I just want to make sure I'm ready. Is there anybody? Say, pray for me. Lift a hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see yours and yours. Anybody else in yours? Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Now I'm going to just ask you to stand. I'm not going to take long. We're, I'm finished. But is there anybody that you want to just come and pray? And you want to say, I just, I just want to make sure. I want to make sure that everything is right. And I want to just commit myself to God. Anyone want to come just really, really fast? We're about ready to close. Lord, again, we thank you. Could we have a couple ladies that would just come up and gather around these two that have come? A couple ladies, quickly, please. Anyone else want to come before we uh, pray the dismissal prayer? Father, thank you for the hands that were raised. I thank you for those that um, have come forward. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring them to a point where would convince them that they need to repent, turn from their sins, and accept Jesus. God, for those, uh, again, that for those that are unsure, I pray that you would just give them that, that sense this week of being sure. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We love you. And, and so, God, I pray a blessing upon these people as they leave this church. Help us to follow you with all of our hearts. Thank you for the place that is called heaven that we are anticipating. In the name of Jesus, we ask these favors. God's people said, amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, go give them heaven. You're dismissed. Thank you.
You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.